0: Hey, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Your Pet Business Content Your Way podcast. So this show is for you if you're looking to promote your pet business in a way that feels good, feels right, and even actually feels like fun and something that you can enjoy. So I'm Rachel Spencer, and I help people working with animals in lots of different businesses from product makers to service providers and people supporting people in the pet industry let go of the things they feel they should be doing and focus on the things that they actually want to do and in this episode of the podcast it's a special episode and i'm going to be talking about navigating cont- controversy in your pet business it does tie into your pet business content and doing things your way because it's about finding a way to feel comfortable talking about the work that you do and There will be times when it might feel challenging. And the reason I'm recording this podcast in mid August 2023 is in light of something that's been very prevalent in the dog training world surrounding a number of organizations, which has had a huge ripple effect and has impacted on a lot of people. I've made the decision to speak about this because I've seen the distress it's caused to my clients and the wider community. And while I know it's a delicate issue, it's something that I really want to discuss. So if you haven't listened to the podcast before, Thank you for tuning in. If you don't know me, my background is journalism, so I'm going to talk about the facts of this story, being very mindful of the law when it comes to libel and defamation. So if it does sound like I'm being a bit careful compared to what you might have seen on social media, then that is why. So this podcast is for you if you've been impacted in any way regarding the statement from Lauren Langman, which has had repercussions for a number of organisations. These are Absolute Dogs, which Lauren was the face of alongside Dr. Tom Mitchell, Tugging Off Dog Toys and Enrichment Products, Devon Dogs, which is a training centre in Devon, AOK 9 Supplements and Bowerman Farm Holiday Cottages. So because Lauren, who is at the centre of this story or situation, However, you want to see it and has put out a statement about puppy breeding and has links to each of these businesses. It is relevant, I feel, to list each of them out. And I'm talking about the ripple effect of what has happened, because this has meant that other people who have trained at the training centres and providers and bought products have found themselves in the middle of this storm they face questioning from clients and other pet professionals, they've had accusations of supporting commercial puppy breeding, they've, there's been finger pointing, there's been gossiping, and basically they've been made to feel terrible simply by association. The emotions they've experienced and shared with me include sadness, anger, shame, fear, embarrassment, guilt, and they feel very anxious about the future not because of their actions but because of the actions of somebody else and we can't control the actions of other people or be responsible for them can we yet somehow we're in a situation where thousands of people are feeling this way and this is why I'm recording this episode and this is why really I feel I want to speak for these people who are really struggling at the moment people who I'm really close to because I feel that this needs to be heard so Mentioned before I'm a journalist, for the purpose of accuracy, I'm going to start with the statement which is at the centre of this story, which was made by Lauren on the 6th of August. The statement reads as follows. Some of you will have heard the upsetting rumours on social media concerning my breeding of dogs. I think it's important to clarify things. I've personally bred dogs since 2007, independently of any other companies or other parties I am associated with. Reading the heartfelt testimonies of fellow dog owners this past week has given me A pause for thought and self reflection. I've taken a long and hard look at my decisions with respect to breeding. I have always been extremely passionate about dogs and everything that dogs involve, including lineage. When it came to breeding, I accept this led me to getting carried away, and in hindsight, I feel I simply bred too much. I can categorically say say, we do not have any barns here. On reflection, this is not aligned with my values or how I wish to serve the world, and I'm sorry I didn't recognise this sooner. I have always held a top-level breeding license with five-star in recent years. Ultimately, however, what matters most is that I have been blind to the values and expectations of my community and myself, and in light of this, I have decided to stop breeding with immediate effect. I have, without question, always adored my dogs, and health and welfare of my dogs is paramount and my top priority. I have retired some of my own dogs into calm and kind pet homes appropriately and reflectively when I have felt it has been in their very best interests. I'm deeply sorry it's taken me so long to come to this realisation. It takes courage to call out your peers and colleagues and I'm grateful to my community for raising their concerns with integrity. My only hope is in the coming time I can rebuild any trust that has been lost in me within the communities that mean so much. So that's a statement from Lauren. There is a photo that was circulated on social media as well, which has fed into this story too. And I'm recording this podcast in the hope that it leads to those affected by this feeling more positive and they can move forward in their businesses. And also so that people in the industry show them some compassion because that's what I feel they deserve. I feel it's wrong that people who have trained with Absolute Dogs or at Devon Dogs, who have bought or stocked Tug Enough or AOK9 products, or who have puppies bred by Lauren, should feel any kind of blame or responsibility for what she has shared. Because my experience of those people is that they are intelligent, hardworking, caring people who want to do their best for their clients, their dogs, their families, and they've chosen to work with training providers and products in line with their values. So what I want to do is take a look at each of the key brands here. From the outside. Now, remember, I'm not a dog trainer. I have never met any of the individuals involved here. I work in the pet industry. I have done for the past five years, supporting other small businesses, helping them raise their profiles, and coaching as well. so I'm I'm Last year, I did a coaching accreditation, so I'm a qualified coach as well. So, want to take a bit of an outsider look at each of the brands here, and I've looked looked at this as I would do a journalist if I was writing a story. So I'm looking at it from an outsider and trying to be as Well, just try to give some perspective, really, and just to give a really um, impartial view about everything that's going on here. Okay, so let's look at Lauren Langman. Lauren started running training classes when she was studying for a law degree at Exeter University, and it grew and grew into Devon Dogs, which became a training academy for in-person classes and residential holidays. That's information from her website, from the Devon Dogs website. Lauren, in her statement, which I read earlier, shared that she began a private, private breeding business in 2007. Then later came Absolute Dogs, which, according to Companies House Records, was incorporated in 2014. Lauren represented Great Britain at the World World Agility Championships. And while I was looking at this, I found a social media post she shared earlier this year about winning at Crufts with hundreds of comments congratulating her from people in the industry. A lot of names on on those comments who I know and people who are really, really decent people. She is a huge name in the agility world. So let's look at breeding. Lauren also has a breeding business and in her statement, she shares she's bred dogs independently since 2007. On the Breeders Online website, she's listed at breeding Cocker Spaniels and Border Collies. And from my experience and from conversations with people who who know and have worked with Lauren as a breeder, they chose her because of her experience and authority in the industry let's remember she's an agility champion she's bred champion dogs she has a passion for dogs and a stellar reputation she has a five-star license her business will have been subject to regular checks from the licensing authorities so responsible dog owners have sought her out as a responsible breeder because they share a common goal and that is to bring healthy and well-adjusted puppies into the world she was somebody who was trusted to breathe breed even healthy puppies and she had a commitment to canine well-being they didn't know any different until earlier this month when a picture emerged on social media allegedly showing puppies bred by Lauren. And until then, there was no evidence to challenge these beliefs. I'll just repeat what Lauren's statement reads. It reads, I have always been extremely passionate about dogs and everything that dogs involve, include, everything that dogs involve including lineage. When it came to breeding, I accept that this led to me getting carried away and in hindsight, I feel I simply bred too much. Okay, so then we've got Absolute Dogs. So, Lauren is one of the faces of Absolute Dogs. The other is Dr. Tom Mitchell. Tom is a vet, a behaviorist, an author, and a trainer. Absolute Dogs is a huge training organization that has supported thousands of people who have then gone on to support millions of dog owners and families. And they've ensured that they can train our dog, their dogs and have a great life and time with their dogs. This is my experience of Absolute Dogs and specifically the individuals I've worked with who have trained through their programs. I have found the Pro Dog Trainers to be intelligent, educated people with a shared desire to support dog owners and families and make a positive impact. Many of the Absolute Dogs Pro Trainers have diverse professional backgrounds with careers ranging from te- teaching to corporate roles, six-figure corporate Positions before they decided to follow their passion to become dog trainers. They did that because they want to contribute positively to people's lives and the lives of dogs and create exceptional businesses and truly make a difference. And that's from everything I see of Absolute Dogs trainers is what they are doing. They did not choose Absolute Dogs as their training provider on a whim. They did their research and the providers felt right for them. They invested thousands of pounds into a well regarded enjoyable and effective training program, which gives dog owners everyday skills necessary for a harmonious relationship with their pets. And another important thing I'd like to stress as well is that the organization Absolute Dogs, they focus on force-free positive training methods. There is no recommendations of aversive tools like prong collars. It's all force-free positive training methods. Okay. They've helped people feel empowered and capable. And as I've said before, they brought joy to millions of dogs and their families. And the trainers I've met have integrity and dedication and they are genuinely decent people focused on promoting responsible pet ownership. They just want to do good. Then we've got Devon Dogs. So my understanding is pet professionals and regular dog owners go to Devon Dogs and learn and train and have amazing experiences with their dogs. Sometimes they stay in the holiday cottages because it's a, it's a you know, a stay over a, a, over a few days. Sometimes it might be, you know, a day long training event, but they go there and learn because they want to. They want to become better trainers or dog owners and they want to do right for their dogs. So I remember chatting to a couple of clients and it was both like within the space of a week about this time last year, about, and they'd both been at Devon Dogs and they were telling me about the things that they'd learned there and what brilliant time they'd had there. And I remember listening and having proper FOMO and thinking, oh my gosh, I'd love to do that kind of thing with Patch. It just sounds amazing to go on a residential holiday where you learn to train your dog and have loads of fun and meet other like-minded people, people who are dog enthusiasts who are really committed to, to their dogs you know these are the kind of people that went that you know who went to this place they weren't people who just you know shove the dog in a crate or leave them on the sofa or let them get obese or whatever these you know really really dedicated people and then we've got tug enough so the link to tug enough is that lauren's partner matthew rouse hopefully i have pronounced that right is the director or was and his brother danny rouse and mother Teresa are the founders So Enough provided Absolute Dogs with a warehouse, according to the statement, which was a fulfillment center for orders of their products, along with customer support. As I say, this is according to a statement from Danny Rouse, who resigned as a director from the business last week. So Tug Enough is a family business, which according to their website was set up in 2009 when founder Teresa, who is Danny Rouse and Lauren Rouse's, sorry, Lauren's partner, Matthew Rouse's mum, invented a food bag tug toy for her collie Indy. Indy wasn't motivated by play, but she was motivated by food. So, you know, Teresa created this amazing toy where you put some food in the pockets. It was a tug toy and it worked for her collie Indy and then It's gone on to lead to a brand that has brought happiness and helped train millions of dogs. So it's a family business. Products are hand-finished here in the UK, according to their website. They work with pet shops and retailers, dog trainers and pet pros, providing them with products that dogs love. When I had um, training for Patch when we first got in back in 2018, Tug Enough was one of the toys that was recommended. We still have a rabbit fur toy that Patch absolutely loves and goes crazy for. You know a Brilliant, brilliant product that has really helped me train him. The Tug Enough Stand at Crufts this year was absolutely mobbed when I went there. And let's look at the things that their toys are used for on the website. They're used for recall, they're used for focus, and they used to bond with your dog. So recall is really important. We want to keep our dog safe. Focus is really important. Again, that that focus means that, again, your dog is safe and it's focused on you. And who doesn't want to bond with your dog? Like What's wrong with a toy that helps you bond with your dog? We, again, we're not talking about shop collars or prong collars. We are talking about toys that bring joy, strengthen the bond and keep dogs safe. And then finally, we've got AOK Canine. That's a supplement brand, again, geared towards improving canine health. I haven't talked that much about that. Obviously, it's only online here, again, because I have found that the focus of discussion has been around the other brands. But again, you know, it's a, it's a brand with, you know, with a good purpose behind it. So that's an overview of the different people training organisations and the different brands in this story impacted by what's contained in the statement from Lauren. So do the people who have unwittingly become linked to this story deserve to be told? They're supporting puppy farming. They shouldn't have trained with them. Their qualifications count for nothing. They're less of a dog trainer than people who choose other providers. They shouldn't stop their products. They shouldn't use their products. They need to defend themselves. They should feel ashamed and much more and much worse simply because of choosing a training provider or going on a dog training holiday or choosing a breeder or to stock or use a product. My feeling is that what these people need, that what these people are, are decent people doing their best and what they need is support and compassion because they haven't done anything wrong or anything to be ashamed of. And for those who are knocking them down, there's a phrase that my mum uses a lot and it's, "there but for the grace of God go I. She uses it for something that's personal to her but in this case, the message is, don't delight in other people's misfortunes because one day it might be you As you know, the dog training industry is unregulated and over the years, a number of individuals and organizations have found themselves under a cloud or embroidered in some kind of controversy, some of which has blown up like this one, some of which has been less visible. But what is to say the next one might be the one that you're affiliated with? And there but for the grace of God, go I, basically means, you know, what would you do if that was you? There's a word schadenfreude, which is a compound of the German word schaden meaning harm and freud meaning joy. And over the last few weeks, I've been reading the brilliant Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, and it's referred to in a chapter about places where we go when we compare. So the word Schadenfreude means pleasure or joy derived from somebody else's suffering or misfortune. And in this situation, it's reveling in the bringing down of others. People around this story are wrongly feeling shame, guilt, humiliation and embarrassment, all of which are defined in this brilliant book as follows. So for shame the definition is i am bad the focus is on self not behavior the result is feeling feeling flawed and unworthy of love belonging and connection shame is not a driver of positive change then we've got guilt i did something bad the focus is on behavior guilt is the discomfort we feel when we evaluate what we've done or failed to do against our values it can drive positive change and behavior next we've got humiliation i've been belittled and put down by somebody this left me feeling unworthy of connection and disgusted with myself this was unfair and I didn't deserve it with shame we believe we deserve our sense of unworthiness with humiliation we don't feel we deserve it finally we have embarrassment I did something that made me feel uncomfortable but I know I'm not alone everyone does these kind of things embarrassment is fleeting sometimes even funny So again, I don't feel the people affected by this story deserve to feel any of these things. And I'm sharing this topic because it's something I've experienced myself and that held me back for many, many years. So sharing this personal experience with you, because if you're embroiled in this story, I hope it's going to help you. And I'd hope it doesn't sound like I'm making it about me. I'm not. I've talked at at length um, about this situation, but I just want to share my own personal experience because it does give some perspective as to why I'm going off on about this topic and why I feel really strongly about sticking up for people who are really struggling right now. So I used to be a staff reporter at the tabloid newspaper, the News of the World, between 2004 and 2006. And the paper was eventually closed down in 2011 due to the phone hacking scandal. If you're in the UK, you'll be really familiar with it. After I left my staff position in 2006, I carried on working there as a freelance journalist until the paper closed with, I'd say, about 80% of my work was for that newspaper. It formed a really significant life and my business and obviously my income as well. And during my time there, and it was before the advent of major social media platforms, there wasn't any Facebook, uh, there wasn't any Instagram, well, Facebook and Twitter were in their infancy. We, um, you know, celebrity culture was at its peak and, you know, because of this, not because of this, but the fact was a number of individuals hacked phones, hacked the phones of celebrities and other people in the public eye. Now, let me clarify back then, I and many others, we focused on writing about celebrities and people from popular shows like Big Brother, Love Island, Coronation Street, that kind of thing. So we worked... We worked on stories basically coming from people close to those celebrities, from soap stars on Coronation Street and Emmerdale and Hollyoaks to reality TV stars like Katie Price and Kerry Katona. And then we even had people like pop royalty, like Victoria Beckham and Robbie Williams and members of the royal family. These stories were often given to us by family members, friends, brothers, sisters, cousins, acquaintances, people they'd worked with, people people in their entourage. They were then turned into articles. They were the sources of those stories. They weren't gleaned from phone hacking. And most of the people at the News of the World were diligent and hardworking reporters with a drive to make a difference. As well as the celebrity tittle-tattle, we worked on stories that raised a considerable amount of funds for charity and really made a difference. I remember covering court cases um, where sexual offenders were brought to justice and doing, you know, work that really, really is important and really does, really does, you know, create change, create change that, that is needed. So whatever you feel about the tabloids, there is, you know, there is good work that they do. Um and the phone hacking scandal, while it only involved a very small amount of people at the newspaper, had a really significant impact. And obviously the closure of the News of the World led to people losing their jobs, but it also led to, you know, staff members being insulted and a general feeling of you know people people were devastated people felt very wronged um, by what had happened because it was a very small amount of people who'd done something wrong yet um you know a newspaper closed which had a huge impact on a lot of people who worked there and who were involved in it It it's a really challenging time the story was very public and played out on the tv news and you know everywhere when i told people i was a tabloid journalist often you'd get abused i would be i'd had some of the things i've had told to me over the years um is that I killed Princess Diana, I go rooting through bins, I hack phones, I'm scum. People would get in my face and tell me that I was scum. I never did any of those things. And, you know, that's just part and parcel, I think, of being a tabloid journalist around that time. But, you know, obviously it has this impact on you. Um, So I continued my freelance work with other magazines and newspapers. And people who knew me knew that I hadn't done anything wrong. Yes, I did work for the News of the World, but no, I wasn't involved in hacking. And I'm sharing this, not because I want you to feel sorry for me, far from it, but it's just because I want to show that I know the impact of being linked to something, some, something or someone that has been tarnished can have. And I'm sharing it because that shame that I had held me back for years. So it only changed really in 2015. I started writing for websites like BuzzFeed. I was doing things like listicles, things like, you know, writing about street food in Manchester, things you knew if you studied in Newcastle in the 90s, things that only single 30 somethings are tired of hearing, that kind of stuff. And then I realized I needed to learn more about online. I went and studied digital marketing. I did a course, which was really expensive and completely rubbish. Uh, then I started networking, going to BNI meetings, trying to get copywriting work, working with small businesses. At the time, I had my dog Daisy, who I lost in 2018. And then I, you know, I was writing more about pets as well. And then in 2017, I decided to start a pet blog. That led me to write a book, Publicity Tips for Pet Businesses, which I wrote so pet businesses could go and get, you know, go and get press coverage on themselves rather than have to hire a PR. Um, and then I started, you know, I knew I wanted to work with small businesses um, and people were approaching me, but I still had this feeling of shame. So I remember back in, I can remember where I was and what I was doing right so back in November 2018 I remember I was driving to an awards event I live in Newcastle the awards, awards event was in Plymouth so it was like a 10-hour round trip and it was the first time I'd ever listened to a podcast I thought I'm going to listen to Dominic Hodgson's podcast because I knew him I was on his email list I'd met him via the blog I'd done some work with him as a journalist he'd been um, an expert for an article that I'd written to um, And I listened to his podcast, and I listened to loads of it, right? And I remember one episode where he was basically saying, he was talking about being, you know, just finding the people who who were going to value you and who are right for you. And I remember him saying something like, who cares what people think? Who cares if people don't like you? Who cares if you've done something that you know that maybe, you know, that you know, maybe you did something in your old job that people might not like? Who cares if people are going to judge you? You're going to find people who like you and who get you and who appreciate you and what you do. And, I'm I'm paraphrasing that, but that was that was a sentiment of what he said. I remember listening to it and thinking, yeah, you know what? I've just got to get a grip. Stop being held back by this shame I've had for many years about working with the news of the world and being a tabloid journalist and people thinking I'm scum and all these different things. I just need to get over myself. I'd already written a book. I'd already I'd already started a Facebook group. So anyone who'd read the book and wanted some more help, wanted to have contact with me, um, could Come and chat to me, and I felt like working with small businesses was a path that I really wanted to take. So I went and found a coach. I went with Janet Murray. She was also a former journalist. She worked for the Guardian, which is obviously um, a much more prestigious publication than the ones that I used to work for. And she helped me, and that was so so invaluable. And. I got to a point where I was able to talk about my background rather than hide away from it, and it might have put some people off, but that's okay, because a lot of people haven't been put off, and that might be you listening to this podcast, particularly if you're a regular listener, and thank you. So I'm sharing all of this because I really believe that you should not bear the burden of shame, embarrassment, guilt, humiliation, or any other negative emotions because of the actions of others. The repercussions of somebody else's actions, the statement, the circulation of a photograph, related to their breeding environment this has had a ripple effect that stretched down to absolute dogs tugging off devon dogs and other organizations and many people including the train particularly the trainers are feeling sadness pain loss grappling with a sense of belonging they've lost feel like they've lost friendships they feel like their memories are tarnished it's awful and these people need compassion so, going back to Brené, her definition, I think, of compassion is useful here. She says, "Compassion is fueled by an understanding and accepting that we are all made of strength and struggle, and no one is immune to pain or suffering." So, as I was saying earlier, yes, these people are struggling now, but but we should show them compassion because we don't know what's around the corner for us, do we? Do they really deserve to be made to feel like rubbish? So, what happens next, especially for those impacted by this situation? So, it might be. It might feel unclear. I feel like I've put this podcast out late. I was on, actually on holiday until the 14th. So I've kind of been watching this for the past week or so. Um, and while I have provided support since this story came out with my direct clients, I haven't really talked about it on social media because I've been away. But I did want to kind of cover this really. Um, when it's come to my clients, people who are in my membership and working with directly, we had a Facebook Live um, on the Monday. So a week last week. Um, a week ago so the monday the 7th when the story had broken over the weekend um and you know i tried to show them some compassion and suggested you know if they felt like they needed to make a statement on the website or social media then fine if they wanted to modify the website content remove products or references then that's fine too and if they decided they didn't want to say anything then that's okay as well you know it's entirely up to you what you do here but the key thing is that you know you've got nothing to be ashamed of And one point that I really want to stress is to remember as well that the general public, regular dog owners, even those in the pet industry who are in my membership, I've got people in my membership who aren't dog trainers, who are slightly removed from the dog training world, who aren't even aware of what's happening with this story. And when the phone hacking case, when the phone hacking court cases happened, I remember it was global news and one of my old editors, he admitted phone hacking. He had a new job by then. He had clients and, you know, he was on the TV news. He was on the 10 o'clock news on camera. Um, you know, being filmed coming out of the high court. But his clients didn't even notice. And I know that might sound strange, but it's it's honestly true. So right now, as I'm recording this, it's the 15th of August. This story is contained within the dog training industry. It's not widely known. It's not in the public domain. And I'm not suggesting there's a need to hide it, but I hope it gives you some perspective to this situation. And I think if things get too overwhelming, consider taking a step back from social media. Give yourself a bit of breathing space because this will pass and you will be okay. You don't need to sit there and go through things that are going to upset you and make you feel rubbish. I had a really interesting conversation last week when I was away with a client and the conversation started where she was feeling very despondent about what had happened and it actually ended with her thinking, you know what, you know what, there's actually an opportunity here. There's an opportunity to support people and to come together. And often I feel like when things get really shaken up and change and when something really big happens like this and it really does have impact, it can feel really discombobulating but when things calm down you do have that time to reflect you have clarity and you see things differently and sometimes inside of that you can there can be opportunity and it can be positive as well So the final thing I want to say to you is, if you've been impacted by this, have faith and believe in you. Be proud of what you do. Hold your head up high. You are no less of a trainer or professional because of the actions of others. This does not take anything away from what you do, anything away from what you've learned, anything that you've done and anything you have achieved in your business. Think of the dozens, hundreds or thousands of dogs and families that you have helped. No one, no one or nothing can take that away from you so I'm going to stop now I hope this episode lands in the way I intended it to I wanted it to be something to help and support you basically to put an an arm around you if you're feeling these really challenging emotions because it's hard isn't it and I do know what it feels like but I'm going to say it again be proud hold your head up high this will pass and you will come out of it stronger so if you are a new podcast listener and you've got this far thank you for staying with me and if you're a regular podcast listener And you've got this far. Thank you as well. I would love to know your thoughts on this. It's a bit of a big girl pants moment for me recording it. I undenod as to whether I should put this out. This is actually the second version of it. I've written a script because I want to get this right. So... If you've got something you want to share with me, you can send me a message on social media. I'm at Rachel Spencer UK on all platforms. I'll put the links um, to contact me um, in the show notes for this episode. You can also come and find me in my free Facebook group, the Your Pet Business Content Your Way community. I'll also pop the link to that in the show notes. And finally, if you'd like to feel more comfortable and confident talking about what you do in your pet business, I'm going to be running a free workshop covering this on Thursday, the 31st of August. I'm not sure of what time it's going to be yet. I've actually asked people to vote on what's going to be best for them but I'll put the link to register for that in the show notes as well or just send me a message at rachel Spencer UK on all social media platforms or email me I'm rachel at publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk so that's it for this week's episode of the podcast I'll be back next week with another episode it's a bit of a bonus one this time something I wanted to cover I feel really passionately about um, I hope you found it helpful thanks for tuning in and I will see you on the next episode bye for now